Welcome to the podcast series on population health management. I'm Dr. Dan Alton, a GP and National Clinical Advisor for Population Health Management for NHS England. During this bite-sized PHM podcast series, we'll be talking to integrated care systems about how they've developed their PHM capabilities, looking at topics such as structures, resourcing, challenges, opportunities, and best practice. Today, I'm delighted that we're joined by Jenny Cook, Director of Population Health Planning at Leeds Health and Care Partnership, as well as Claire Turner, Chief Executive of Carers Leeds, who have been working closely in embedding population health management within their system. They were on wave one of the NHS England Population Health Management Development Programme almost four years ago now, and were also part of the PLACE Development Programme this year. They're going to talk to us about how this structure works, as well as how relationships with the third sector have been developed. Jenny, could you tell us what you did in West Yorkshire as part of the PHN Development Programme and PLACE Programme and what did you learn? Absolutely. Thanks very much for having me. I've been in post just under two years, so I absolutely can't take any credit for the Wave 1 PHM programme, but it was a great starting point for Leeds. Um, so as one of those Wave 1 pilots, uh, Leeds took a focus around frailty. So um, Leeds designed a segmentation model, decided to do some work particularly around frailty and picked a number of local care partnerships. So they are our um, neighbourhood teams that bring together third sector organisations, GP colleagues, community teams, people um, to think about the needs and assets of a local population. And they um, developed new models of care for people living with frailty and tested those out back in 2019. One of the key findings really from that work was as much as the frailty project and programme had delivered some really great uh, new models of care and, and, and tested out new ways of working, developed relationships, built some of our real PHM chops, used our um, linked data model and all kinds of exciting stuff. It was happening kind of separately from lots of the other work happening across the city. Um, so when it came to scaling and spreading just within Leeds itself, there were some real challenges around how you do that when the work's been done at a super local level. So when I came into post, um, I started to think about how do we move from PHM being this thing that we do over there to a way in which we work and a different a different operating model for the city. Then we had the opportunity again this year to be part of the National uh, Place Development Programme. And that was, again, an opportunity to really accelerate some of our ways of working in the city. Thanks, Jenny. Are you, are you able to describe how you're rolling PHM out further across Leeds? And what's your structural plan moving forward to make PHM more business as usual? This is what we've really been focusing on over the last 18 months or so. And so we started to think about how is the city organised? How do we come together and make decisions and derive better value? So we looked at how we could actually organise around groups of people and populations. We took our segmentation model, which we refreshed recently, and said, how about if we organise ourselves around this, our segmentation model, and think about what we spend on those populations, the outcomes that really matter to those people and their experience. So we have spent 18 months establishing population and care delivery boards, and they are effectively um, a microcosm of the city. So we have all of our partners around the table for each one of those population segments. But that's been our focus around really trying to drive decision making and our partnership through that lens of populations rather than through 
organisations or services, which is perhaps the way we would have organised ourselves in the past. Wow, quite a quite a paradigm shift compared to how things were done previously, I imagine. Um, one thing that people always say is, well, resources are really tight um, and people always focus on the resource side of things. How have you been using or repurposing resources to underpin this model, this shift in the way that you're doing things? So we think about resources in lots of different ways. I guess for the ICB team in Leeds, this has become our job. I was a new recruit and I've got a very small but perfectly formed team. But a lot of what our job is doing is working through and with the rest of the organisation. Everybody kind of works through this new structure. It's not about a new layer of governance or a new set of ways of organising. This is now our operating model. And that's also kind of challenging the way in which we might look at data or information even. So previously we might have wanted to understand performance or waiting time through um, through organisations and pathways. And that's still really important, but we start to ask ourselves now a bit about how would we look at that through the lens of a population instead. Then for the city, a big ask of these boards, kind of fundamental to their terms of reference, is about um, driving better value for their population. So not just looking at when there's additional resource that comes into the city and how might they spend it, but actually to look at what is already spent on this population and is it driving the best possible value. So when we start to look that a huge portion of our overall spend on people living with frailty is on non-elective care, yet the outcomes that we've set for people living with frailty is around independence and uh, not having to spend lots of time in hospital necessarily. The way in which we are spending money is, is, is counter to those outcomes that we've set. And so a big task now for the frailty board is how could we reallocate some of that money in a different way in order to improve outcomes for people. So it's moving us away from this kind of technical efficiency, which is what NHS has done a lot of, to something about allocative efficiency. Are we spending the money in the right places on the right people to deliver the right outcomes and we're just really at the start of that journey and it's taking difficult conversations to really understand spend you know transparency again for our third sector colleagues we don't understand all the costs and spend in those areas in the same way that we might do for our acute trust so there's a long way to go i don't want anyone to think that we've got everything right and all the answers on this i, I would really love to come back to talk a little bit more about those difficult conversations and how they went uh, and what other systems can learn from how you've managed to have those conversations. But just before we, we come to that, um, if I can come to you now, Claire, can I ask, how has the third sector been involved in supporting this work? And how could this be enhanced moving forward? In Leeds, like in lots of other places, we, there's a really strong history of, um, you know, health and care working partnership with the third sector. And I think this opportunity has been to be able to suppose to build on that and to do something that is at a bigger a bigger scale so each of the the population health management uh, boards and the care delivery boards have a third sector representative on them um, and we have had i think a lot of support from forum central so they're a third sector infrastructure organization that focus on health and care so they've been really involved in recruiting each representative and supporting them both individually and as a collective also more broadly as a as a group of leaders in the voluntary sector we come together 
together on a fortnightly basis, really to just keep ourselves understanding and having opportunities to shape and to contribute as a wider set of organisations. We have a huge role to play in how can we make sure that we have real insight about these population groups, you know, and that some of that comes from data, of course, but I think the voluntary sector has a really big contribution to engage and provide links into communities that perhaps might not be as well known to health services. Absolutely, and so central to everything that integrated care systems have been set up to achieve, um, and we can't forget that. Um, thanks, thanks, Claire. Um, if I can come back to you now, Jenny. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about difficult conversations, um, but are you able to go into a little bit more detail on that and, and generally the challenges that you're facing and what's helping you overcome these challenges to make this work? It's definitely been a non-linear journey in terms of where we've got to with establishing some of this framework. And as you can imagine, with all those different population boards representing those different segments, they've probably matured at different rates. And a lot of that is based on the history. So most of these uh, groups weren't starting from scratch. A lot of what we've been doing is standardization. And I think it was about a year ago, we worked with the frailty board to do a bit of an accelerator piece of work. And it coincided with some of the national funding coming through to Leeds. I think it was around the enhanced community response program. And, you know, the traditional model would be for what was the CCG at the time to look at that funding, look at the services and agree how to commission services and then get on and commission it and kind of work with individual providers around it. But we said, what if we use this money and it's additional money? So it's a, it's a bit of an easier conversation to have than baseline funding and say, how would a population board really decide to allocate some of this resource? What would you do and how would you work together and how would you work through that process? That that taught us all kinds of things. One was having that really good understanding of, of people living with frailty, their experience and the data that you need and the ability to kind of disagree in that group of people and, and to say, actually, this doesn't quite look right. And to use the data to really inform the way in which the funding operated. So I think there was a few set ideas that everybody had in their back pocket. Well, of course, if we get this money, we would use it in this way. But actually, some of the data started to show that there were really significant mental health needs, often with people living with frailty. And that was a really strong predictor of hospital use. And so we had to take a bit of a step back sometimes and go, again, are we spending the money in the way that the data is telling us to? Or are we doing it in the way perhaps we might have always done in the past? And I guess as we go into the planning round for the next year and like every health and care system, you know, Leeds will be... Um, having to make some difficult decisions around funding going into next year. But I think being able to do that in a way in which it is formed by the, the population and care boards, I think, is um, is is going to be really helpful. Absolutely. And, and I love that example of challenging entrenched assumptions, um, using the data and, and also lived experience to be able to challenge those assumptions is so important. And um, Claire, can I ask you the same questions from your perspective? What challenges are you facing and what's helping you overcome those challenges? Yeah, I mean, as Jenny said, I think some of the population health management boards are at different stages. So the one that I am part of, which is the end of life population health management board, I think we're trying to define the outcomes and the population we're talking about. And I think that is one of the inherent challenges, isn't it, with a population health management approach is that we, we're kind of trying to group people together in good enough groupings, but there's always that blurry line, isn't there, in terms of when does end of life begin? <laughs> and then I think for me that, you know, 
then it's about having conversations across those boards, isn't it? Particularly when we're thinking about those tricky decisions about funding allocation, because we're not we're not all thinking in isolation then. So I do think, you know, for us, it's probably quite early days in terms of having to have those decision making conversations. But for me, definitely, you know, keeping trying to define a good enough population for your own board, but also really thinking about how we work across these population health management boards, I think will be one of the bigger challenges as we go forward. Um, I think the other is about how do you get that voice and lived experience in in the room, really trying to keep that at the heart of what we're doing. I suppose, as Jenny said at the beginning, rather, you know, thinking about the population and keeping those outcomes for people in our city at the heart of that. Absolutely. And you won't uh, get it right first time. and It'll take a little bit of um, adaption in order to, to, to improve processes as, it, as time continues. Um, Coming back to you, Jenny, we talked about the pressures in mm. the system. Um, why do you think this model will work well moving forward as pressures unfortunately continue to be felt, particularly this winter? And do you have any advice for other systems in terms of adoption, how they can adopt a similar approach? Sometimes I guess it feels like a, a real tension between, between dealing with what's happening right now and understanding and planning for the needs of the population and in some cases that is true but they don't have to be kind of mutually exclusive challenges that as a city we're grappling with one of the other really big programs of work that we're underway with in Leeds at the moment and which Claire's also involved in is around the redesign of intermediate care which is fundamental obviously to system floor and some of the pressures facing our hospital and um there's ways in which we can ask some of the questions around intermediate care. You know, one is around what should our intermediate care look like? But it's also who's really using our intermediate care and why are they using and needing intermediate care? And how can we support people differently? And some of our initial diagnostic around that work has revealed some really important opportunities around people, again, living with frailty in Leeds who could be supported in a really different way. Um, and through redesigning different pathways in the community, we could keep them out of hospital potentially in the first place and ultimately deliver the outcomes that they've told us are really important to them. And fundamentally, it's rooted in partnership. Ultimately, Leeds Health and Care Partnership is set up and comes together because we believe that we can find the solutions together rather than work in individual silos. And by doing it through population and care boards, all we're saying is we want to think about groups of people, not just services and organisations, and we want to do it together. And I think that is how I would sell it to other systems as well. You need to have an organising principle if you want to embed population health in your system, then actually it needs to inform the way in which you look at data, how you make decisions, how you drive value and how you come together and not just be something that a different group of people do, um, which might deliver great outcomes, but perhaps won't have the traction that you wanted to by thinking at it as a set of principles. Absolutely. So almost more of a cultural change with that being more important than the technical elements. Still important to consider the, the data and change models and so on, but that cultural change, it sounds like you're working really hard in your area to, to achieve that. Thanks, Jenny. And Claire, same question to you. From the perspective of the, the voluntary sector, why does this model work well? And do you have any, any tips for your colleagues in the voluntary sector and other systems that can help them also adopt this sort of model? Fundamentally, the sort of focus on people and population is is something that myself and colleagues in the voluntary sector work work on that basis every single day. And in order to 
reduce health inequalities or improve health outcomes. That is the thing to focus on. And I think the voluntary sector particularly has a real contribution really to understanding the communities and the city that they work. In terms of any advice in order to enable the third sector to contribute to something like this, they need support and infrastructure around them. For some of us that don't have a health background, aren't necessarily used to operating in some of these kind of systems um, so closely, having that support built in from the beginning and that fundamental partnership working at the absolute core in order for your voluntary sector colleagues to really participate, you, you have to support them to do that. And I think there's a good model in Leeds for, that others could learn from in terms of the, you know, some good ways to try and to try and support voluntary sector to really play a key partnership role. That's great. Well, it sounds like there's some fantastic work going on. Question for both of you. What are your next steps? So Jenny, what, what's next? The next steps is just really building from where we've got to really hopeful that we can use some of the structure to really influence some of our planning going into into next year and continuing to develop the maturity of of this infrastructure that we've established. And Claire? From a sort of individual board, definitely really making sure that we have a deep understanding of the population and also to really pull together some of those insights and sort of systematic ways of involving and understanding from lived experience, as well as thinking about these planning cycles and, and how we make sure that we're ready for some more of those decision making processes to come, really. That's a great tip not to forget understanding lived experience as best you can to incorporate it within this model. Well, thank you both so much for that fantastic insight into your work. And for anyone wanting more information about PHM support for systems, I would really encourage you to visit the PHM Academy on NHS Futures, where there's a whole wealth of information and case studies and discussions. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Claire. And thank you to Jenny. Hopefully we'll hear more about your journey in due course. <laughs>